All right. Good morning. Good morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, perfect. Wandanalu, yes. Right. Uh, I really thank God for this opportunity uh, that God has given me to preach today. Uh, and I would like to thank Pastor Sean for giving me this opportunity. Uh, as you can see, I'm a little nervous. You don't see that. There's a lot of horses running in my heart right now <laughs> with full speed. Uh, but a lot of people have encouraged me, and I believe a lot of have prayed for me. Uh, thank you for all your prayers. Uh, but I'm really excited. At the same time, I'm nervous uh, uh, to share the God's Word. And uh, I also bring greetings from my parents. And some of you know my parents. And when I said that, I'm sharing the Word today. And they were excited. And they said, please give our greetings. So I bring greetings from India, too. Perfect. All right, the, today, uh, the topic that was given to me was repentance from unholiness. I won't be preaching like, repent! No, it won't be that way. However, 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 when I was preparing this sermon, this message, the repentance was, the message was very convicting to me. It's convicting that. Uh, because when you hear the word repent, it has a bad connotation for some people. Um, it's kind of, you're in trouble, or hey, you know, however. But there is a beauty in repentance. When you come before God, repentance is your back to God in fellowship with God. Uh, so I would like to start with uh, asking a question. When was your last time you repented? Or... When was the last message you heard on repentance? Uh, uh, for me, as I was studying the definition, what is repentance is, turn away from sin or turn away from evil to turn to God. Not just away turning from evil or from sin, but turning to God. God. When we look in the Old Testament, or even in the New Testament, Paul speaks, or let me, in the Old Testament, when say God says, turn away from your evil, or turn away from your sin, turn away from your wickedness, turn to God. It's a God's call. It's a call of repentance from God. So when you think of repentance, it's not just us going before God. No, it is also the Holy Spirit, the God calling us back to him, into his fellowship. So Paul also talks to the New Testament, all the churches, Ephesians, Galatians. Once you were idol worshipers, once you were Gentiles, once you were, but you have turned away from the idol worship, turned away from your sinful nature, from the darkness to light. So today, as we hear this message, I believe it's going to be a message of conviction, Today, as believers, that God is calling back who we are in Christ, back into his fellowship. So, uh, so the, what, is it, what is repentance? The definition is uh, turning back from sin, from evil, turning back to God. Okay, here are some few theologians have different uh, examples, different uh, 
what do you call uh, on a definition on repentance. Here are, I would like to read a few of them. Uh, repentance is more than just sorrow for the past. Repentance is change of mind and heart. A new life of dying self, serving the Savior as king in self's place. That's J.A. Packer. And a tozer, he says that repentance isn't only sorrow for the past sins, it also a determination now to do the will of God as he reveals it to us. Amen? Amen. So repentance is not just coming before, turning away from God, but turning towards God and doing his will. Uh, is, is repentance is a one-time work? I'm glad to hear that. There are people in the world, they believe that repentance is not needed or necessary. Or people think it's an repentance only one time. You know? But as you know that, as you know that, uh, Jesus began his message calling out the repent, people to repentance. In Matthew 4.17, we see that Jesus begins his message calling out that, Repent and believe the kingdom of God is at hand. So, uh, in other words, what is repentance is stop what you are doing. You know, like a big red light, stop and turn. Unless you were an Indian, you run through your red light. But <laughs> here you cannot do that. So, you have to stop and examine yourself and turn toward. God. So, so uh, repentance is not a one-time thing. It is a daily. The Spurgeon says this way, Charles Spurgeon, since repentance is continual, believers repent until their dying day. You know, the scripture, it says that, um, I don't know the quote, but I, I heard from a, message, from a preacher preaching about that. The more you come to know God and His holiness, the more of our sin is exposed. The more we come to know how sinner we are. Then, the more we expose to our sin, the more we are repented. The more we repent of our sin. Hallelujah. So, the, I, when I heard this, it, is, uh, it just brought to me like, the more you come to know the holiness of God. Last week, Pastor Bob preached on holiness of God. Isaac, uh, the prophet Isaac said that, I live among the people who are sinners. I live among the sinful people. We are surrounded by, by the people uh, and ourselves with a sinful nature. But the more we come to God. So today, as a church, I would encourage you to let's, Learn to know God, know God more, know of His more holiness so that we will know our unholiness. The more we know about unholiness, the more we are able to repent. Because repentance, sometimes we overlook it. We don't care about repentance. Sometimes it's, we, like, we, um, we sin and we stumble every day in our life, but we don't repent, we overlook it. So today, I want you to walk through a very famous man in the Bible uh, who has stumbled upon sin. Like, just like believers, he was, he is uh, God's, uh, what do you call it? Um, man after God's own heart. I had a very hard time figuring out this one. Man after God, God after man. Uh, so it's man after God's own heart. That is David. Who is David? He knows the Lord. He brought up in a Christian family. 
uh, and he has been serving the Lord since he was a kid. However, he, when he, he was stumbled upward by sin. So before I go more into that, I want to give a little bit a difference between uh, that David is already is a child of God, like you and me. We are just like David. We are believers. We are in relationship with God. However, however, even though you are in relationship with God, which God wants us to be in relationship with us, but sometimes we miss out the fellowship with God. It's like, example, you live with your husband or you live with your wife. There's a relationship, but there is no fellowship. You have your children. You have relationship with your children, but there is no fellowship. So here, I would like to point out that David, sometimes we as a Christians, we think we are relationship with God, which is a good thing. Yes, we are, but there is no fellowship. Why there is no fellowship is there is a barrier between because it's called sin. So as we look into David's life as a child of God, as we are his children, how David stumbled upon the sin, we are also going to stumble upon the sin. So we're going to learn a um, couple of things from David's life. But before, uh, what sin, what he has stumbled upon, what kind of sin that he has stumbled, um, uh, I would like to go through that uh, story or the parable. So let's all... Turn our Bibles to 2 Samuel, Samuel chapter 11 and chapter 12. I won't be reading the whole story, how David fall into sin, what he has stumbled upon, being in relationship with God. Uh, however, I'm going to tell the story very quick, and we'll go back and see. Uh, two, we're going to learn two things from David's, uh, David's story. So anyway, so in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we see that one day, David was, got up from his couch, went onto the outside porch, and he saw a woman uh, who taking a bath. Who, and it's Bible describes that she was a very beautiful woman. Then what does David does? As soon as he looked at her, he wanted to have her. So he sends, the information, he sends one of his servants to get the information from, from uh, get the information or get her to him. So, and, but the man says that, you mean the woman uh, who's the daughter of, uh, wait, uh, is not the Bathsheba the daughter of the Eliam or the wife of Uriah? And David says, yes, I want to have her. So he sends the man and brings that woman and he lives with her and she gets pregnant. She, then she bears a child. So when David hears this message that, that she was pregnant, now, since she, it is not his wife, it was someone else, Uriah's uh, wife, so he had a plan. I, th I think many of you know the story, right? I'm just, I'm just trying to be very quick. Uh, so he had a plan. What plan he had? To bring back Uriah from the war. Uriah, her husband, was in the war fighting Ammonites, and he sends a news to the Joab, who's the, the leader, and say that, hey, send back the Uriah. So the next day, the Uriah comes back, and David tells to the Uriah that, hey, I want you to go down to our house, wash your feet, and be with your wife, or be with your, in the house. So he, he, doesn't, he doesn't say directly what you want to do him, but he just tells him, hey, go to your house. However, we, we see that 
uh, Uriah, next day, David finds out that Uriah did not go down to his house, but rather he slept with king's servants in the king's palace. And when, when David run to him and ask him, like, hey, I told you to go back to your house. Why didn't he go? And I think this is a very beautiful uh, reply Uriah gives. He says that, Uriah said to David, the ark and the Israel and Judah dwell in the booths, and my lord Job and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? As you live, as your souls live, I will not do these things. This for me is like if I were the king, man, you are such a good man. You're such a patriotic man. You know, the way he responds to the king, the way he's like, like as you live, as, as your soul lives, I will not do these things. However, when sin comes into your heart, when you have committed sin, it is so evil. The next day, David realized that, man, this guy is not going to his house. So what should I, what's the next plan? Well, he has a very interesting plan. The plan was to kill him, to cover his sin. So what he does, well, you stay here, Uriah. He makes him drink, drunk, thinking that he might go back to, but he does not. So next day, he sends a letter with Uriah to his commander, saying that with his own hands, saying that put the Uriah in the front porch in the army where there are violent people so that he can get be killed. And he sent this letter with his, to kill, he sent Uriah with his own letter. And eventually, what happens? Eventually, David gets the information that the Ammonites have killed the Uriah. Then David takes the Uriah's wife to, to be one of his wives. However, God was watching this. So God sent the prophet Nathan to him to give him, to warn him. You know, he uses, prophet Nathan gives an example. Hey, King David, there are two people in the world, in your kingdom. One is poor man and one is a rich man. A poor, poor man has only one lamb and he's to take care of them. The lamb is to eat food with him on his table with his daughters. But the rich man who had so many lambs, when his guest came, when a guest came to a rich man's house, the rich man took the poor man one lamb which he had and made a feast out of it. He killed it and made a feast for this rich man guest. And David got so angry, he's like, who is that man in my kingdom did that? Then Nathan said, you are the man. In the verse 7, he said, Nathan said to them, you are the one. Why you have despised the word of the Lord? Why you have did evil in his sight? You have stuck down Uriah with the sword, having taken his wife to be your wife. You have killed him with the sword of Ammonites. Then when the prophet Nathan confronted him or convicted the David, David realized what he has done that he went did against God, the holy God, who true God, what sin have done. Sin, in the verse 13, David says to Nathan, I have sinned against God. So here from this passage, I want to uh, talk about two things, the first and foremost things, first thing. Uh, 
So when David got up from his couch, went on to the roof, he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was beautiful. And he sent, to came to him, and he sent a messenger, took her, and she came to him and lay with her. What do you see in this first thing? What do you see through this verse from this passage? The first thing is, he desired that woman. Desire. When you um, desire, it, it was like the sin which has in him is came up. So uh, I would like to say, uh, talk about this. Um, as followers of Christ, do we have de- evil desires that are not acceptable to God, which are unholy before God? Today is the question we have to ask ourselves, and God is asking us. Uh, what are our desires? You know, I, I watched a show called Lucifer. I don't know how many of you know that. Uh, uh, I know it sounds weird. What, Lucifer? Yeah, I was very critical about it, like, but I want to check it out. I was very skeptical, so I watched the show. It's in Netflix, and he is, works with FBI. He's an agent, and he solves the cases. So each, he has the power to ask questions, and people will tell him. You know what the question is? What you truly desire? It's ask them, like without knowing them, they start to tell him answer. So desire, I think the desire is where it begins. The desire, evil, sinful desire, form into sinful actions. You know, when we look at Genesis chapter th- uh, 3, 6, when Eve saw the tree, you know, it was delight to her eyes and that there are trees which was able, was to be desired to make one wise. You know, often, you know, we desire things around us. You know, even the Isaiah calls that, I live in a sinful world. Uh, I talk to sinful people. I do sinful things. Uh, so uh, I would say having desire itself not bad. However, the sin nature in us which disowed our desires, you know. So we have to repent today, ask ourselves, what is that disordering our desires? And what is that sin that uh, turns our desires into sinful actions? And if you do not repent from our sinful desires, it's going to turn into our passions. Then the passion full, uh, the full, the passion full sinful desire drags into sinful actions. So one author says this way, sin often appeals to us as a legitimate and ordinary desires. Sometimes which is not good is presented to as means of good. For example, Jesus, when he was fasted before the ministry, he was in the desert. Satan comes to him and tells, turn the stones into bread. You know, sometimes which is, which is, you know, which is not good presented as a as a good. So when we, we as a sinful people with a sinful nature, we tend to have a, a sinful desire, like David. You know, when we look at things, we are surrounded by sinful people. So but today God is asking us, what is that is sinful in us? What is that a desire sinful? James, in a book of James, chapter 1, verse 14, he says that each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. In the verse 15, desire which has conceived give birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, 
brings forth death. So today is a question God is asking us, what is our desires? Do we, uh, are they envious towards others? Or desire to be famous? Or desire to be, you know, I always think desire to be look good, beautiful, or maybe, you know, however, you know, being, however, whatever you have in your life that surrounded by your life, desiring to be, which is not godly or ungodly, we need to repent of. All right, so, uh, and here also, whenever there is also a, when we look at the passage, one thing struck me while I was reading this first passage. Isn't that interesting? When David wanted this woman, Bathsheba, what, what was the man was standing there, he was telling, do you mean the son, daughter of uh, Eliam? Do you mean the wife of Uriah? So it's kind of, he's like pointing out, you really want someone's daughter that you know? Or you really want someone else's wife? You really know? It's like, it's a conviction. You know, sometimes Holy, Holy Spirit, when we desire something, it convicts us. Hey, are you sure you want to do this? This is what God wants for you, or this is what you, got, what you want for your family, or for your spiritual life. But as David, sometimes he pushes it away and goes with his desire because of sinful nature, this sinful desire, and you'd see that because of that, he has he, because he continued to live, the sin becomes a deception, it becomes a lie, he, he tried to kill people, and eventually God punishes him, and he loses the son, the first son, uh, because of it wasn't God's plan. And uh, anyway, that, that's the consequences of being in sin. If we continue to live in sin, and eventually, when the Holy Spirit is convicting us, we need to stop and think and repent and turn away when God is convicting us. How God was convicting David, but David did not listen. But if we, God is convicting us of any desires in our life, which is unacceptable, unholy, whatever way it is, we need to turn away from it and turn to God. That's the call of repentance God is calling us. Well, that's the first one. So second, second one I want to talk about again uh, from this passage where we'll see uh, <clears throat> David calls, when Uriah comes to David, he does a few things. He says first, he tells the Uriah to go back to his home, to his wife. He doesn't tell why, you know, and every, we know that was his plan to cover up that, that so that his husband would go back to Uriah, uh, Be, sorry, Bethsheba, no, husband is Uriah. So go back to Bethsheba and everything looks normal. So if she gets pregnant, it won't be him, it would be someone else. So here, and he tried to seduce him to go back to his wife. He tried to bring him back, uh, but he, uh, the Uriah does not go back. I, I, when I look at this, uh, thing I see deceptive. Deceptive. Second thing is I would like to point out is David being decisive. First one, David was desirable, sinful desire. Second of all, was decisive. Now, as Christians, sometimes we deceive ourselves too. We lie when we live in sinful life. When we are sinning, we don't realize sometimes we are in sinful life, like David. He's being a child of God. He be called after God's own heart. However, you see, he's being deceptive to cover up his sin. He, he tried to lie 
for things he has done. So he, he tells Urias, go back to his wife, to his home. So I, I would like to say, say something like, sometimes as a Christians, we deceive ourselves. Deceiving ourselves, lying that we have sometimes no sin on us. Or we are almost living in denial. You know, uh, we often think of other people's sins. Like David, when he heard that someone else sinned in his kingdom, that someone stolen poor man lamb, David felt he was angry. Who is that man? I want to kill him. Because he is like often thinking of other people's sin, not uh, comparing, or sometimes we compare ourselves better than others. We don't see the sin we have in us. We are, we are, we are deceiving ourselves. You know, I would, uh, uh, for example, um, I want to uh, give an example that we, self-righteousness sometimes is a sin itself. You know, when Paul says, come out of your self-righteousness, ungodliness, you know, uh, so God is, uh, he's talking to the believers. He's not talking to some strangers. Whenever Paul writes letters, they were all believers. So as a believers today, God is calling us from back from our self-righteousness. Sometimes we are like Pharisees. We are so good Christians that we forget we are sinners. We are so good Christians, we fo- doesn't follow God. Like for, let me give you an example. Um, I, go with, I, walk on, uh, walk, I go on walks with my daughter, Elsie. So when I walk front, she follows me, all right? But after she, as she's getting older and older, she, now she get, as she doesn't follow me, she follows me for a while. Afterwards, she looks at a cat. She want to go to a cat. Or she looks at a branch. She want to go pick a branch. And I always keep like, come on, let's keep up with me. Come walk me. Now since she, and not only that, before she couldn't walk. So I used to hold her and walk with me. She used to walk, but now she can walk herself, so she gets diverted to many things. Same way, as a Christians, when we are in Christ, in the beginning, we walk with God all the time. We walk with Him side by side, but once we know to walk, we start to go away, get directed to different desires or lies, sinful, whatever, distracting us. We, we try to be that way. So, you know, sometimes we depending, we are so good in walking that we forget to depend on God. We kind of tend to depending on ourselves. And, you know, sometimes they say we have, we are, we try to pull our boots by ourselves. We don't need God anymore in our lives. Because we are so used to being a good Christian, so used to being a self-righteous, self-being like, you know, all the dots in Christian, how to be a Christian, how to talk, and I think we need to repent from being decisive ourselves. Sometimes we don't see ourselves. So let us ask the Lord. Uh, uh, there's one author, he says this way, as the salt flavors every drop in the Atlantic, so does sin affect every atom of our nature. It is so sadly there, so abundantly there, that if you cannot detect it, you are deceived. So today, God is challenging, asking us, are we being self-righteous? We need to repent from this. You always think that I have no sin in me. It's someone else's sin. Someone is, is, I'm better than someone else. And we need to check, examine ourselves from our, like how does a Christian uh, self-righteousness like Pharisees. So that's what God, these are the two things uh, I would like to point out today. So the first thing, what, what, what is our desires? 
as a Christian, desire is, it comes from our heart. Our desire itself is not bad. However, since we have sin in us, the sinful nature that desires are becomes sinful desire. So let's ask the Lord as a Christians, as the followers of Christ, as in fellowship with, with God, with, with relationship with God, let's ask God to turn us away from the sinfulness into to turn to God into fellowship. And let's ask, the second one, let's ask like David, what is that I need to be examined? Let, uh, what is that what is that I'm uh, being deceived by myself? You know, so uh, as Sam states, um, as even Sister Laura read the, um, the Psalm, Psalms 139, 23, 24, God says, uh, t- sorry, David says that, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So let's, today, it'll be the day where we can come before God and turn away from our sinful desires, sinful action, and sinful self-righteousness, and let's look at our hearts where it is. So I would like to also, before I end, I'll also want to walk you through David's prayer after he sinned. After he realized that he sins against God, David had a beautiful, beautiful, powerful prayer. And I want to walk you through that very quick. So let's open our Bibles to Psalms chapter 51. Psalms chapter 51, where we see uh, David's prayer to God after, David's prayer of repentance to God after he has sinned. So we can learn certain things from this prayer. How as a Christian, we can repent to God. I mean, there is, when I was preparing this message, there were many ways we can repent to God, many ways we come to God. But I thought David's prayer with a beautiful way that we can learn and we can repent before God. So David starts with this. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abandoned mercy, Blowed out my transgression. He begins with calling upon God's character. Because he knows that he doesn't deserve to be forgiven for what he has done. He cheated. He lied. He made someone get killed. So he knows that he is unforgiven. He's a sinner. He's a wretched. He doesn't deserve God's mercy. But this is what, how he repents. He, he calls out onto God's character. Say that. Have mercy, O God, according to steadfast love. In other version, it says unfailing love. According to your abandoned mercy. Abandoned mercy is, is, in another version, it's compassion. You know, blot out my my transgressions. In verse 3, he says that, For I have known my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Here we see the acknowledgement of, uh, of David. So in repentance... He see, we need to acknowledge that we have sinned against God. For I know my transgressions and my sins is ever before you. As we read in Psalms 139, chapter 23-24, Such me, O God, acknowledging transgression, is there any offensive way in me? So that is, that's what David, secondly, second, he prays that from the verse 3. And the verse 4, he says, Against you, you only against you you only i have sinned i've done what is evil in your sight that is a confessing 
confessing that he has done sin against God. So repentance, first it takes acknowledgement that you have sinned against God. Second of all, it takes confessing against you. You only have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And thirdly, and it, he, uh, in the verse 7, he says that, Purge me with hyssop, hyssop, and I shall be clean, and wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. It's God who cleanses. When we repent, it's God. He cleans. He knows it. So re- when we come to God in repentance, when we acknowledge our sin, when we confess our sin, it's God who's gonna clean us. You're gonna make me white as snow. In, you know, Second Chronicles 39, uh, it says that for the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn His face from you if you return to Him. When you, if you Come back to him. It's not only leaving the sin, turning away from sin, but when you come to God, our God is gracious, merciful, that he will not turn away from him. So, acknowledging, for I know my transgressions. And in 1 John uh, chapter 1, 9, it says, If you confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So when we look at... David's confession, we see acknowledging the sin, confessing the sin, and when we confess, and he also believes that God is the one who forgives, you know, because he's faithful to forgive. He never turns his back on us when we return to him. Uh, so in 2 Corinthians 7.10, it says, um, we have not only, when, when we see, look at David's life, he's not just confessing just because he wanted to repent. Because, for example, when we look, at life of Martin Luther, who was a reformer. For his whole life, how he came to reform, became a Protestant is, uh, before he did that, he, if you look at his lifestyle, he used to go and confess to the, in a, in a Catholic, we have the priest who were confessing. He used to confess for almost two to three hours a day. Can you imagine someone sitting at the side and listening to him confess for two hours. And the priest used to tell him, he's like, go away, your God is forgiven, you don't have to. But he was confessing and repenting, repenting. Because he, he, he you know, but here is the thing. Um, he has a repentance of godly sorrow, bring repentance that leads to salvation, leaves no regret. You know, for Second Corinthians, a godly sorrow. He used to repent so much, like, you know, real repentance. However, however, in repentance, the other side is God's grace. He realized, eventually he realized that God's grace is sufficient. That's where he came, came up with grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. You know, without, it's God's grace that saves us. It's putting our faith in Christ that saves us. And that's Christ alone. He's the one who's going to save us. So, Sometimes godly sorrow is a good thing. We have to be, have a godly sorrow, come before God with beat of our hearts and repent and say that, Lord, I have sinned against. If you look at the church, Father, when I was in seminary, um, I have to do catechism or something like that with the other church fathers. Every church fathers have a time for confession every day in their life, a time to repentance every day in their life. They always confession. They go to the Lord and repent for the sins they have done. Not only just simple repentance, but a sorrowful repentance. So today, as a believers in Christ, 
through the, uh, through the story, through the passage of David's life, I would, uh, we, we are learning, and I want you to encourage us, what is that we need to be repented of today? God is convicting us. Uh, sometimes we being a good Christians, we deceiving ourselves, being self-righteous that there is no sinners, or we don't have a life of conviction or repentance. Today, from the life of David, and through examples of our church fathers, they have through we learned that repentance is part of our life. We have to repent, come before the Lord, and God is the one who uh, cleanses and cleans us. Um, before I conclude, before I conclude, I would I would like to read. Uh, 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 another author, he says that true repentance never lead to despair. It leads home. It leads to grace. Let us not run away from God with shame and trying harder, but let us remorse over our sins, and He will transform us. Transforms us. He will restore us His joy of salvation. So, um, I would like to conclude by this reading this passage from David's repentant, repentance prayer that is from Psalms chapter 51, verse 10 to 12. And this is one, one of my favorite um, songs too. Here, this is how we finish it. He says, Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with your willing spirit. So let's all our turn our close your eyes and I will and I, will, I would like to pray before I end this message and just want to remind you that God wants us to repent from our unholiness, whatever from our unholy desires or our passions or whatever which is not unholy before God. God is calling us to repentance like David. Let's search our heart. Let's ask the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to convict us. Holy Spirit always convicting us. And, and let's look through the word. Look through his word and let the, the word would convict and speak to us. And let's be okay to listen to it. Be ready to listen to his word. Hallelujah. All right. Let's uh, turn, uh, close your eyes and I would like to pray and we will continue worshiping. Father, thank you so much for this uh, beautiful time. Thank you, Lord, for once again reminding us that we need to come before your throne in repentance. Lord, you're a merciful God who knows us, Lord. When we come to you, you doesn't push away, but you hear our hearts and you cry and forgives us, Lord. Today we come before you. Is there any sin in us? Show us that we'll repent and help us to... Uh, Learn from David's life that, you, that we come before you and repent, acknowledging that we are sinners, acknowledging that your grace is sufficient for us. Uh, thank you once again for this time. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we go forth from this here today and go into our week, may we be aware of all of the things that would tempt our desire, those things that would be after us to, to make us walk in unholiness, Lord. And that the cry of our hearts should be the same as the cry of that of David. See if there be any wicked way in me and turn me to the way everlasting. Lord, that, that we would understand all the more 
what repentance is and to continually exercise it. Lord, thank you for that great and awesome, precious gift. The fact that your son died on the cross for us so that we might have that relationship with you and because of his sacrifice, repentance is now something that is entirely possible and, and is, is a fact, not wishful thinking. But it is a great and awesome gift that you've given to us. So Lord, I pray that as we go through this week that we will remember that, that we will take every thought captive in obedience to you. Lord, thank you for this time together this morning. And may all that we do this week bring you glory and honor and praise to the highest. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you next week. Have a great week.